People think that people are talking about them. That's one thing I realized, bro. The older I get, no one gives a shit what I do. No one cares what I dress. Everyone overcomplicates everything. And once I realize that pressure and of anxiety of social exception, it just goes away. If you're gonna have fun and you're gonna like live the lifestyle, go to Colombia, do these type of trips around the world, you do have to. That's one of the themes I, I preach when, when selling. It's not just building a business, that is selling, right? When you're selling somebody, tell them all these features and benefits. You're a biased opinion. You're a salesperson and they're just like, there's a wall up. But the moment you show testimonials, you have slicks, you actually have things to show, that picture's worth a thousand words. There's a lot of coaches online that train on certain stuff, but it's like, okay, what did they do? For me, I have 15 summers under my belt of knocking doors. You know, you never know if some of these guys are legit or not. I definitely have made sure I've checked the boxes on what I do. Where do you feel like most businesses and salespeople go wrong in terms of like growing and scaling? They don't have, it's not like, what I did, it's who I was. So that's what people mess up. They're like, oh, money this, money that. And people don't follow money, they follow leaders. Why it was so successful is, is because I... What's going on, guys? Welcome to Rainmakers Podcast. Danny, we got Danny Pessy on the show today. Danny, thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? Dude, good. Today is my 34th birthday, so... It is the birthday podcast, and I'm here with, <laughs> here with my friend, Charlie. Um, Charlie is a good friend of mine, and he's here celebrating my birthday, too. And so, hello. Dude, I, hello. I love hey, you, man. Charlie. Oh, nice to meet you. So let's go. Danny, just got off a plane, yeah? Yeah, literally. Just a landed. A couple hours ago. Just got back. Spent a couple days in Colombia with some of my boys down there. Had a blast. It's like my fifth time going to Colombia. It's probably one of my favorite spots in the world. And so... uh yeah, dude, it's sick. What do you like about Columbia? Dude, the food's really good. Um, the culture's sick as hell. There's so much adventures to do. I go to Medellin. That's where like Pablo Escobar kind of like dominated. And basically, yeah. uh, you know, there's so much fun stuff to do down there. Um, adventures. Uh, two days ago, I was wakeboarding, jet skiing, all that stuff on one of the lakes out there. I'm super into coffee and chocolate. Like those are like my favorite. I know you things. are. And so remember that Costa Rica, you probably love that. Yeah. And so, uh, I had some good coffee in Costa Rica, then went to Colombia after that trip and I just got just the best stuff ever. So it's even better there. Yeah, huh? It's even better than Colombia. Yeah. Colombia is better for sure, dude. I, how is it? Like, how do you even notice a difference? If once you know, you know, it's like once you know, people think tea is all one flavor, but bro, there's so many different dimensions of tea. And so it's the same thing with coffee, depending on where it's grown, all of the, like I've got a bag from like the top farmers in Colombia. I've got six different flavors of coffee. And if you cook it correctly, you have the right type of water, all of it like uh, uh, filtered the correct way. There's so many ways of doing it. And it just, it literally tastes so different than what we're used to here in the U.S. So I'm kind of a, it's crazy, a dude. coffee. I'm, I'm one to 10. I'm like a six or seven in terms of coffee nerd. So <laughs> Dude, I love it. My girlfriend is probably a nine out of 10 on coffee nerd. So she'll know. Okay, guys, let me, let me give this guy a little intro. Okay. He, uh, so Danny, Danny 34 today. Happy birthday, brother. Happy to have you on the show on your birthday. It's a privilege. Uh, this guy, a lot of people who follow me know this guy is a, a solarpreneur master. He is a solar salesman master. He is a uh, serial business owner. He runs events. He trains thousands of top sales performers. Uh, this guy knows his craft. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he, uh, he walks the talk in every way. And, uh, more importantly, we met in, uh, we met at your seminar last year briefly, but we really got to know each other a little bit more in Costa Rica. Yes. I agree. And, uh, that was a trip you put on mm -hmm. 
with uh, another company called Quativa Tech Company in the solar space. And uh, we were there to do service. And I love that we got to meet on that kind of a, you know, on the, that kind of ground. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I, uh, it's a, a project that I've been a part of for, I think I've done seven humanitarian projects in my life. And so I got, I got started in 2013 in Nepal. And then uh, ever since have this been hooked. Cause dude, you go through so life cool. just, you know, doing all this self-serving stuff. And, you know, I went there uh, the first time in Nepal to like, just, just to travel, but I got hooked on doing the charity work because you get to meet these people that you never would have thought you'd meet in your life. And you go to this village and you help build a school for them or whatever their community needs. And it's really cool just to see the other side of what you can do to people and help them that, you know, with no expectations of getting anything in return. And so yeah. since then I've been like, dude, if I'm going to do something with my life, like that is what I really want to do. And so I love that. That's such a good why, Danny. I connect with you a lot there. I did a mission in Brazil for two years at 19, paid $10,000 to be there, made no money from it, just selling Jesus, right? And selling uh, improvement from life, getting over addictions. And uh, it's fascinating. Like I went there thinking I'm going to go bless and serve these people with the knowledge I have, right? Because yep. they have so little, they're so poor. I was humbled learning. I was the one that needed to learn. Mm -hmm. And they taught me, you know, it's, it's, you can be happy with very little. Yep. And that has been a game changer. And I, I love doing little trips like that because it's a constant reminder that materialistic things are not the answer, right? Correct. To true wealth in life. So I love that. And I love serving. It's a, it's a mutual thing. We, we go there to serve them, but they serve us oh, yeah. with the right mindset. Yeah. And that's what people don't get is that you do get something in return. It's just, you get such a better aspect on on life and it's like crazy to see just happiness is a choice and seeing those freaking people like living in hovel, like holes dude it's crazy man and so yeah you know that was a big thing that i'm really glad i got into early on in my life so i can continue to do it like my goal is to travel the world and do stuff around the world every single year so i gotta make a lot of money for it and so that's you know part of the thing is is you know i'm on a hustle mode to get cash and do something good for the planet. Cause dude, it's like, bro, I'm 34 right now. I started knocking doors at 18. So it's like, I'm already in my 17th year doing this and life goes by so yeah. quick. And it's like, if you, doesn't it, you look it's crazy, you look back on your life and it's like, cool. What have I done for the world? What legacy that actually matters? That actually matters. Yeah. Cars, all yeah. that shit, dude's cool. But bro, at the end of the day, it's yeah. like, you look back on what you did outside for yourself. And a lot of people have nothing to show for it. So mm. I'm hooked on doing what I can to make my life better for, or make the, make my legacy good for the world. You know, it's gold, man. Dude, I want, I want to talk to you about a lot of stuff. Uh, we got to dive into this, the big coat, the big black coat, the, the authentic vibe you got on your hat. I mean, dude, you, you live this and knowing you, you got nothing to hide. You don't give a crap what people think. You're a great guy. You're bold. Tell us, tell us about like the, the energy you put off with the coats, the stuff like that. Like, why do you do it? Well, I, I do that because it all started when I was at Vivint, right? And everybody at Vivint looked like a car, carbon copy clone of each other, looked like a cult, right? And so I'm like, bro. <laughs> Jack, clean cut. Yeah, dude. And so it's like, I'm like, bro, this is kind of weird. And I don't really fit in with this crowd. And so I want to like smoke these guys and do it my way mm. rather than fitting in the norm. And they hated that. They did not mm. like it. I uh, outsold most people. I was always in the top 1% of the company every single year. 
and uh, did a very, very good job selling. And I just was an outlandish character. And I did that because, you know, you're, I heard, uh, what's his name? Who's the buff motivational speaker? Um, he summarized it very, very, Ed Milet, right? Ed Milet, yeah. Yeah, Ed Milet said, you, you were born unique, don't die a clone. And so I think that was from Ed. But, yeah, I listen to a bunch of people. But basically, I, I said, bro, at, at the end of the day, it's, you know, your your life is going to be what you make of it. And if you try to, like, win their game, you got to play their rules. And so for me, I wanted to play my mm-hmm. game and win it my my way. And so that was what was the most fulfilling was, you know, I was my own character. I, I played by my own rules and I had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, it felt really, really rewarding to win at the game that was designed for the clean cut, like carbon copy clone looking dudes. And people are like, bro, I don't know how he did it. So I did that to yeah. show people that you don't need to change your identity to be successful. You can find success who you are and not have to give up that uniqueness that is yourself. Because if you do give up your uniqueness and you win at their game, you win their prizes. And that's not a prize you want. And so that's why they make you think that's what you want. But when you do it that way and you win the prize, it doesn't feel as fulfilling as you being yourself. And so for me, I'm like, bro, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be myself. People don't like it. Great. Um, I'm pretty well liked. I don't, I mean, I don't, I've never done any bad business. I've never scammed anybody, never ripped anybody off. So I do a very, very good job. Um, in terms of managing my reputation, but you know, I, I write clean business. I've always had very low attrition. And so, you know, w- when I was knocking full time. So for me, that's always been my message is to see me and say, Hey bro, if he can live it him, his, his way, I can live it my way. And hopefully that brings people a little more happiness to, to realize you don't need to conform to be super successful. You can still have your personality and be good at it. Dude, the way I think about it, I mean, imagine ourselves like looking back at our life when we're 80 years old, Danny, is like at that point, who, who gives a crap about what people thought? You know, you really are not concerned like with what your image was at that time. It's what value did I actually bring to people? How do I actually bless people? What relationships do I have? You know, deeper things like that. Mm-hmm. So I love that, dude. Yeah, and, I do. and the thing is, people think that like people are talking about them or like, that's one thing I realized, bro, the older I get, no one gives a shit what I do. No one cares what I dress. Like everyone overcomplicates everything. And so, you know, that's why for me, I'm like, bro, no one even cares. No one, no one looks at my Instagram. No one's thinking about me. No one's like, what's Danny Pessy doing today? Like some people think that stuff like, bro, nobody cares. So I could dress like a woman. I could actually nowadays, I can't even say that because that's becoming a thing. But, uh, and if it is your thing, cool, no problem. But, you know, I could dress like an idiot, do whatever I want. No one cares, bro. Nobody cares what I'm doing. And once I realized that, I like that pressure and of anxiety of social acceptance just goes away. Goes away, dude. What do you think the correlation between that pressure and success, just finding success in different areas of life is? Uh, I, I grind my ass off. I mean, although I'm like a unique individual and have my own personality, like, bro, I still work, bro. And like, I talk about being balanced. And just today I was like having a conversation with my friend, like I talk about having it and I do have a little bit of balance, but when it's not there, it's very, very work heavy. And so I'm almost addicted yeah. to it. And so I'm, you know, trying to figure out ways to make it a little bit more healthy, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to have fun and you're going to like live the lifestyle, go to Columbia, do these type of trips around the world, you do have to grind your ass off when yeah, you do. you, you're back home. And although I'm not knocking as much doors as I used to, I still grind in different ways. I'm more business to business now. 
uh, consulting. Yeah. And so basically I sell businesses now rather than consumers. And, you know, it's pretty cool because I went on a blitz just recently. I took it. I've been consulting for a year and then, uh, you know, people are like, oh, bro, you're not on the doors anymore. You don't got it. All this stuff. Because I teach a lot of the stuff that I learned. And uh, so I'm like, OK, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go run a blitz and I'm going to do it for a charity. And so basically I went out for six days, like three weeks ago, and I recruited a bunch of dudes. I think last body count was like 55 guys I was able to recruit and 45 days. So it's quite an impressive feat. Got them on a blitz in six days. We did roughly 62 accounts last time I checked. So we absolutely crushed it. And so, um, you know, it's cool to see that the stuff I talk about, it still works. Like the techniques are still there and it's like, now there's, yeah. they can't say anything like now it's just yeah. continue. That's, that's the thing with this space is it's like, Hey, show me, don't tell me. So I've been doing a lot yep. of telling and I need to go back and show them a little bit. And I mean, mm. bro, I don't that, that's, that was unparalleled to start up a sales org, recruit that many people put on a blitz at that time. And it was a fantastic experience. And from that blitz, now I see a lot of the people that went with me have replicated that exact model and I'm doing it the same. So Bingo. Then you got word of mouth. You got vi- virality to your business growth, dude. I love that. You know, you said show and don't tell, Danny. That's one of the themes I, I preach when when selling. It's not just it's not just building a business. That is selling, right? Yeah. Like I when I when you're selling somebody, okay, you're and you tell them all these features and benefits. Yeah. From there, you're a biased opinion. Yeah. You're a salesperson, yeah. and, and they're just like there's a wall up. Yeah. But the moment you show testimonials, you have slicks. You actually have things to show. Yeah. That picture is worth a thousand words exactly. and it's a lot more compelling. So I love that. I love that. It's a great thing for uh, sales, but also just great business, business skill set. Yeah. And that's, that's why, you know, for me, you know, there's a lot of coaches online that train on certain stuff, but it's like, okay, what did they do for me? I have 15 summers under my belt of knocking doors. And, uh, yeah. you know, that was something that I made sure that I put a lot of time into to, you know, when I go out there and I start educating the the space and, you know, you never know if some of these guys are legit or not. Like I definitely have made sure I've checked the boxes on what I do and uh, all that. So that was important. for somebody that should wants to claim to be a coach in sales. What do you think their track record should be? You see, here's the thing. And I've learned and I've come a long ways. I was a very talented player. I mean, by no means was I like Michael Jordan or anything, but I feel that yeah. being a coach is like teaching now anyone can go and brag about what they do but if you can't replicate that then all you're doing is just showing off your goal is to find a system and process that's replicatable that you could teach it and scale your org and so for me i had a hard time doing that until i started coaching i started learning okay well these guys aren't replicating the results so how can i feed this to people so that they could eat it and reciprocate it and so for me where do you think most Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's that's where I figured it out. That's money. Where do you think, feel like most businesses and salespeople go wrong in terms of like growing and scaling? Uh, like when you go to coach them and consult them, like what's your what what do you usually find is wrong? They don't have or a, that needs improvement. They don't have systems and processes in place to help scale the org. They like well once we once they get there we'll build it out. But it's like you've got to build the framework first and then fill in the pieces. And so for me, I've just seen so Mm. many companies that don't know really what to do to scale it out. And that's essentially what happens with their orgs is, is they get to a certain point and they can't cap it out. So it's like, hey, what's that missing piece? Like I went to a company in Arizona recently and they were like, okay, well, this is what we're thinking. And I made four or five little adjustments and they literally doubled. 
And so it's like, instead of trying to figure it out yourself, you're looking at it the same eyes, bringing in a third party to look at your org to give you advice. And so that's one thing that I've been really, really focused on now is taking a look at the sales org and seeing where their problems are at and making small little adjustments. And they're on pace to doubling what they did last year. And so that's that's the big thing is having a third set of eyes look at your uh, look at your business plan and give you little yeah. critique critiques and stuff. The way, I, the way I see it is they're in the jungle. They're out hunting. You, you, you're like way back. Yeah. You know, you have an overview of everything. Yeah. And so it's that third perspective is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of like, so you're talking about systems, processes, standard operating procedures, I assume is a big thing for you. Yeah. That uh, is for me. What kinds of things do, because when I was president, of, I met you when I was president of sales of an organization. We had a little over a hundred sales reps doing about a hundred million in revenue. Yeah. And to be honest, it was a shit show. And I was a big part of the shit show. It was just chaotic mess. We were implementing a lot of systems, but it was, I feel like the systems need to be implemented early on and grow along with the systems. What are some of the systems that you uh, feel like a lot of sales organizations, whether it's a small team, an individual, or just a big company, Danny, where do you feel like they're lacking? So I I break it down into sections. There's the recruiting systems, and then there is the sales org, and then there's the install side. And so for me, I focus mostly on like, once you have the teams built, how do you scale it out? So I focus on um, implementing a setter closer model. That's the most effective way of selling solar. Um, in, yeah. In with- so not self-genning. No, no, not anymore. Yeah. So setter closer model. And then from setter closer model, there's three different channels. There's a blitz year round and a summer model. And so how can you properly staff that? and scale it out and build out a blueprint for each of those models and deciding which ones you want. Because what happens if you have some people that are going to be year round? What about summer program? How can you get Yeah. Up? So would you advise the most companies uh, to try to embrace all of them or just pick one and stick to it? Depends on what they want, bro. It's so, so I feel like, I feel like with our organization, we want, we want the year round, right? But because yeah. of the weather, we tend to focus on blitzing in summer, right? And I feel like most companies do the same thing. Yeah, so if you're an installer, you want year round. Because the problem is, is if you're an installer and you focus on a summer program or a blitz program, it's hard to maintain that. And because basically you get all of your volume in the summer, so you have to scale out your orgs and then winter comes and everything tanks. That's why in this upcoming next couple months, there's gonna be probably half the solar space going out of business. So it's gonna be Mm. pretty scary coming up here in the future. So um, that's why I'd say it's like you want to have year round, a year round program, depending on what you want. Plus, it depends on what you what your groups of guys like. There's a group called Empower out of uh, Utah that recruits college campuses in five months. They do 3000 accounts. So it's like Mm -hmm. there's ways, but they're younger. They're college kids. They're younger guys. Average age is like 23, 24, and they absolutely crush it. There's no right way or wrong way. It depends on you, how you want to manage it, what type of group you want to lead. It's all customizable. And that's why it's so important to have a conversation with some a third-party rep to help facilitate that. Because if you don't know what you're doing before you get into it, you're going to just get a bunch of random people. Like if you're running a summer program and you interview a 55-year-old guy, it's like, bro, you think he's going to go out there and be a setter? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. no. Yeah. You got to know your audience. Yeah. That's- what do you recommend, Danny, for, for someone in the winter, like that has a colder climate and snow, Utah, Idaho, just mid, you know, anywhere in the Midwest. Blitz. Yeah. I, I, I Blitz th- model. Blitz model. I think I have probably the best blueprint for the Blitz model. I've done over 80 Blitzes in my life. 
I don't think there's very many people that have actually ran as many blitzes that I had because I did it. I did a summer program and a blitz model in the off season, so I could recruit for three weeks, yeah. sell for one week, and so uh, then basically. Uh, I would travel around the country. I've pretty much got it dialed in. So if you are in a colder market, by doing blitzes once a month, you focus three weeks on staffing that blitz and you push them out. And then when you push them out to nice. the blitz, that way they get some money in their pocket and they'll come out and sell again. And if you can get them paid on that blitz, they'll continue to keep blitzing with you until summer comes around where they'll go more full-time. Full-time. Yeah, nice. And you go from there. That's the best way of doing it. And so I love if it. you can't get a guy to go on a blitz, then there's no way he's going to work year around for you. If he's not willing. Yeah. If you can't get him for seven days. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'd say. It's a, and, and then people are like, well, do I spend all the money? Like, you know, uh, there's, there's different ways of doing it where basically you, you want to front the cost as much as possible and then give them a decent red line where you're making a healthy margin anywhere between 30 to 50 cents and then an adder for travel where you're making profit on the travel too as well, because there's some guys that will go out and not sell at all. So you've got to recuperate that cost. So there's definitely some uh, stuff that goes along with it. I love it, Danny. Okay, dude, you mentioned something early on that was gold. So uh, you talked about that blitz you ran. Mm -hmm. You you pulled in how many people and did how many sales? 53. Uh, and in 45 days, you recruited that many people mm -hmm. to come out. You know, a lot of that comes from your following, but still like... There's a something that you did to be able to do that. What do you think helped you? It's not, a, it's that not I, what I did. It's who I was. Mm. So that's what people mess up. Like they're like, oh, money this, money that. And it's like people don't follow money. They follow leaders. And so for me, my the, 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 the I did a training at this at a workshop is, is why it was so successful is, is because I had a holy cause. And my holy cause was we're doing something more than ourselves for this blitz. Mm. Some of our uh, programs are going to be dedicated some of the money that we make on this is going towards charity. So that's the big thing that I pushed hard for was, is, hey, first off, we're going to be doing charity. If you're part of this, you you realize this isn't a money grab. This is to do something more for yourself. So if you are looking for the lowest red line, this isn't for you. And uh, mm. no, no harm, no foul. So I weeded out a lot of people right off the bat. And why that's important is, is because you get the right people there and you produce a lot more Love higher that. levels. I'd rather have somebody that gets the big picture rather than the bottom line. People that want the lowest mm. money or the lowest red lines are the guys that work the least that want to make the most. I want to make yep. the I want to make the most and have the people above me compensated well, so I have to do less work. I could make a hundred extra dollars a month, 200 bucks extra a month by cleaning my house, but I'd rather pay someone 200 bucks a month to clean my house, so I don't have to- It's not worth your time. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yep, I love that, man. Okay, you mentioned the setter, setter closer model. I totally agree with you versus self-gen. Why do you think the self-gen model is not gonna work anymore? Because uh, you can't scale it out as fast as you can setter closer model. And so yep. we don't have a lot of time in the solar thing is with rapid change happening. It's just inefficient setting and closing or, you know, setting and closing your own deals. I mean, it's possible to self gen. Yeah. There's guys that still do it, but if you're trying to scale out an org problem you run into is, is you get a kid from college and he's there for three or four months and he's trying out the job. You need to teach him how to sell ethically, how to build out a proper solar system and give proper expectations. Like solar isn't like pest or security where you can slap a panel in or spray some bug spray. Like there yeah. is a lot that goes into it than just, you know, a project and service. So the issue is, is to keep 
the sales community clean with proper clean deals, you don't want to have a new guy trying to put together offsets. They don't know the buybacks for each of the locations. So they're in a situation where they have to make shit up and uh, to get a sale. And so not good. That's, that's not good. And it ruins the space. So that's why all they have to do is focus on their positive self-talk and having a positive attitude then they're going to be able to find people that want to deal and you send a professional in there who knows all that stuff that it's more efficient for that. So for example, if I was running a team and I had you on my team, I wouldn't want you self-genning. I'd want you closing because you're going to close yeah. at a higher percentage than you knocking on a cold door. Yeah. You're maximizing their skill set. Yep. Yeah. So that was, that was yes. a big thing for me. And, and one of my secrets that I did was, is I attracted a lot of closers on that blitz because I was going out there and uh, being a setter. So I went out and set a bunch of deals while I was there training the setters, getting the setters to push deals, getting them to go out and crank. Because the thing is, is what in the setter closer model, the person who owns the leads owns the, the, the business. So that's why it's Bingo. so important to put as much effort as you can on setting deals because yes. you can recruit closers and you can get closers at a discount. Like if someone was like, yep. hey, Pessy, I want to be a closer for your blitz, but I need you to give me a super low red line. I'm like, why? I'm going to go and say, well, we don't need it, dude. I can give you 10 leads a day. Like yeah. <laughs> pound sand, brother. Exactly. I'll go find someone else yeah. that can close I- it. Not worth paying that. Who controls the leads controls the business in my book. So what do you, speaking of leads, Danny, speaking of leads, I'm a big fan of door knocking. I do it. That's, it's hard to beat that, you know, um, it's, uh, the environment aspect. You're the whole industry to that person, you know, margin is higher. It's easier. There's less shopping, but with leads and marketing guys that know what they're doing, Zane Jan, these guys buy leads, sell them, and then they buy leads for their own company and then implement and sell uh, the customers. Where do you think the future of this business is going? Is it going to go to door to door? Is it going to be split with leads or is it going to go all the way to leads you think and, and buying Facebook ads? Well, it always starts off with door to door and then it goes to more, uh, virtual and online sales. So that's what happened with Vivint. Vivint was all door to door and then they started shifting their business model to virtual and closing over mm. the phone and internet. Same thing's going to happen here. Like if you want to predict the future, you look at the past. That's what happens. There's a lot of solar. I think that's the move. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yep. But the most of the margins made knocking doors. When you start going virtual or getting leads, the margins get smaller. It's less margin because so, yep, they're shopping. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's normal. It's going to happen. That's why it's like you want to make more, you got to go do the harder rejections. It's easier. Yeah. There's, it's a softer rejection, but you make less money because it's a lead. So that's right. if you're a business owner, you want to supplement that. Or a lot of my managers, a lot of the companies that come to me, they're like, bro, we're just not making any money. And it's like, well, yeah, because the one channel that you're focusing on is good, but it's a volume it's play lead. and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And so Bingo. how can you grab some of your margin back? It's by implementing virtual and leads. And so I help companies uh, set that model up and I have a couple really good lead sources that I've implemented on a few of my clients and it, it's taken off. And so, you know, that's, that's where I can help get a little bit more profitability with some of these sales orgs. Cause they're like, shit, dude, we're not making any money. What do we do? And it's like, all right, well, yeah. let me, let me open up this other channel for you. And you can maintain an addition. You can grab an extra 40, 50 cents on a deal and, uh, maintain some profitability. So, I love that, man. I was, I was telling our team yesterday, like with door knocking, it's, it's pretty easy to maintain a 50% close rate. Mm-hmm. Right. But it, with a good team, I mean, a, a good setup with a setter closer model, you're going to have four to six appointments on your calendar per day. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that's pretty average. Yeah. Um, with now with buying leads or just using a lead model 
from online, however you can generate them, uh, from my personal experience, the closing rate will be less. Yeah. Okay. And I, what I say, even if it's 25%, half of what door-to-door is, how do you offset that? You offset it by having more in the calendar. Yeah. And so kind of like software sales, they have an SDR, they have setters for them, pre-qualify, call the prospect. Are you good for the appointment, right? We get 15 people on the calendar, pre-call them, qualify it. We weed down to six, boom, closer shows up to six appointments. And I, I think that's kind of how you offset that, that model is just, it's a volume game, right? Yeah. Both door to door and the leads are volume. And so if you're pushing the leads more, in my opinion, you have to pump in more revenue to get more volume and more, uh, appointments on each guy's calendar. Yeah. It's, it's a machine. And once you, once you dial in your KPIs and basically find out how much money you spend versus how much money you're getting out, you just continue to push it yep. in. And so that's why yeah. it's like with those leads, you want to get a really solid closer on there. And those solid closers will take a discount because they're not having to go out and self-gen it. So that's how you can maintain, you know, some of the margin for your org and, and recapture some of that cost. Dude, so I know some of the best marketers out there, like Alex Hermosi, he gets a 36 to one return on his ad spend. What is a good like return for buying leads and seller, would you say? Uh, dude, I mean, I, it's a tough one. I mean, you're going to get... Like 36 to one is nuts. Like... That's insane. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's Alex. So he's, is that's Alex. He, yeah. He's it's cause it's not Alex's ad spend. It's who he is. That's it's his brand. Buy. Yep. And so it's brand image. That's why it's like, you know, if you were advertising Elon Musk solar, you'd get a lot higher return on it. So that's the thing. Yep. So we're in a heavy saturated market cause everybody and their moms now runs a solar company. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say, I mean, dude, probably when I bought, when I was doing leads, I'd probably close five a month from the leads. I spent three to 10,000 bucks on them, but I'm a hell of a closer. So I'd realistically say that's probably, most people will probably close one or two from that. So 10K, they'll make a, you know, return on that, but depends on like a one and a half to two times return. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I've got a unique lead source that doesn't do ads. He's got a special, um, thing with realtors that he does and uh, absolutely crushes it and gets probably the best quality leads in the solar space. And he disappeared for like a year. And I was like, bro, where the hell did you go? He's like, ah, come back. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> uh, we were messing with roofs. I'm like, no, dude, let's get you back. on. The yeah. So come back on. Okay. Um, what do you, what with, uh, roofing pest control alarms versus solar, which one uh, roofing and why a lot of people are going to shift to roofing here solar is going to go through a drought in the next six to nine months a lot of people are going to leave because uh interest rates are going up it's hard to sell yep. uh, customers aren't buying as much so customers coming up with the money versus the insurance company company coming up with the money it's much more mm -hmm. of an attractive sale so um roofing is going to make a big play you're going to see a lot of people from solar getting into roofing some will go into security security still dead um, it's, it's not making a comeback anytime soon right now. Unfortunately, the banks aren't like that interested in it. Like they used to be. So, yeah. you know, you'll still get a couple of these brinks and stuff like that, but it's a shell of the opportunity. It used to be back in the day. Pest will always be there. Um, great pop. Just easy, easy. Um, but yeah, dude, solar is definitely going to be hurting here in the next little bit. So as long as you can, the companies that survive Danny versus those that don't survive, what's going to be the deal breaker, private equity money. Uh, there's going to be a lot of chargebacks. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, companies that get hit with money deductions that they didn't think, and they're not going to be able to afford it. And customers or reps are just not going to get paid. I'm seeing it right now. Yeah. A lot of it, like there's a lot of Ponzi schemes going on right now. And Dude, I, I think the, the small deal, not just dealer, but the small installers, right? 
they're going to face a lot of problems. I feel like a small to midsize uh, dealer has less risk. They have less overhead. There's there's no operational crew. Do you agree? Yeah, I think this is the small installer that doesn't take on dealers because what ends up happening is a lot of these dealers will go from EPC to EPC, write a bunch of shitty business, and then when the, once they start getting chargebacks, mm-hmm. they go to a different company. Um, and so that's why you've got to be careful um, if you are running an installer, who you allow to put deals through and to make sure it's clean. Because one of my buddies was like, bro, I'll be an installer. He became an installer. He was hurting for work. So he took on a sales org. The sales org put on a bunch of deals and all of those deals had a bunch of fraud on them. And he got stuck with the bill and chargebacks. And he's like, fuck, bro. Dude, doesn't it drive you nuts in the industry? Like the, I, I can't like for me, business is relationships, period. And I know that's a fundamental principle that any smart business person embraces. And you see these guys jumping from EPC to EPC, installer to installer, market to market. Dude, I, I, I remember going out to Arizona to work with Michael O'Donnell. I did five accounts. I normally do 30 accounts here in a very saturated, tough market because I know it, right? I have the confidence to sell here. When I go somewhere else, I don't know what the hell I'm selling. When, I, when I'm not sold, Danny, I know you're the same way. I can't sell. I can't. Right. And I see these guys going out to markets. They really don't know everything going on with the utility because from California to Ohio or from Texas to Utah or from Florida to New York, it's completely different. Right. It's a whole new, whole new thing with the utility. Right. And, and you have different installers. You got all these different aspects that change. And I just, I don't understand how people can do clean business that, it's just not sustainable. Yeah. It's not like in the days of alarms where you could just go and slap it. it there's a lot of research that yeah. goes into play. Like when I went to Ohio, I spent so a much. month, like I, I blitzed Ohio, found a very good EPC that has private equity money. So I've done my research. Like I know they're going to pay. And so yeah. the, the thing is people go on a blitz, they'll see, Hey, who can give me the best red line? And they go to the bottom and that's typically, you're not going to get paid. I can almost guarantee you most of these guys aren't going to be able to pay you. Um, yeah. it's disappointing, but I mean, people got to learn the hard way. And so, uh, yeah. you know, and if you're watching this right now, you do need recommendations. I'm happy to point people in the right direction. I know which EPCs pay. I know which ones are running Ponzi schemes. Uh, I got to be careful with what I write publicly, um, and talk yeah. about publicly, but I've got access to info that most people don't. And so like, I, I pride myself on pointing people in healthy, proper directions. Cause dude, I don't want this. I don't want people to lose money. Cause if they don't go yeah. blitz and they, the EPC doesn't pay them, then I'm a person that sells to the space. And if the space doesn't make money, I don't have a job. Dude, this is the beauty of third parties and coaches is we help keep the industry accountable to what's going on. Yeah. Like anybody trying to run a, you know, a fraudulent business, it's going to get called out by you. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, so that's why it's I love it. Danny. I've, I've, Everyone that I've sent places have been taken care of because I do do my research on, you know, companies and all that stuff. So nice. Yeah. Tell us about the little blitzes or the, uh, the events you're doing. You did a Danny Passy tour last year. Yeah, it looked like it went really well. Good over a thousand people yeah. in attendance. So, um, basically the setter tour. And so I took all of the information from the industry on who's been doing the best setter closer tours, put it into a program and trained on it. And so guys have been able to focus on setting and closing deals. And with the information, that was literally the most content heavy training the solar space has ever seen. So I'm proud. To, I put a lot of work into it. I, just on the workbook alone that we went through was two days of just going through a workbook on, on like getting into the nitty gritty of how we do it. I spent over 20K just on designing and building it out. 
um, had multiple people editors on it. And so it was a lot of work. I was really proud. It's probably the best piece of work that I've ever done in my life in terms of like content. And so, um, yeah, it was awesome. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. I was exhausted. I, every weekend for eight weeks, I was in a new city. So, uh, won't be doing that again. That was exhausting, but um, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. But it was cool. Just seeing the testimonies of people being able to take what they learned that week, go have their best week and get a pop in production. Cause that's what you got to look at. Tickets are like a thousand bucks, whatever. Hypothetically you go out and you take two or three things that you learned, you go make three or four sales. And in solar, you make three, four K a deal. You are making 12 K a week off a $1,000 investment. It's a 10 X return. Oh yeah. It's easy. The returns on coaching in our industry are so, so easy, dude. Yeah. So it's no brainer. But most people it is, so. but they're like, Oh no, I don't want to do it. And so the thing is, is the people that don't invest into coaching are the people that when the sale gets complicated, they drop their PPW. Yeah, dude. So, so for my hey, mentorship and experience, they do pay for it. But you pay for it. Yeah. Of less, it's on the less commission you make. Dude, people think they're saving money by not investing into coaching seminars, things like that. It, it's, it's time or money, right? You pick your poison. Yeah. You can waste all your time or you can increase your earnings per hour. Guys like us make over $1,000 per hour. And so anything else is hired out. But we've gotten that skill set to develop that because we've hired and learned from the best, right? Yeah. And people, you know, a lot of people are making sub $100 an hour even in sales. It's like, dude, just go invest your money. Don't put it into stocks. Go put it in real estate. Put it into your freaking self first. The, the SME 500 before you invest into others. Uh, other assets, right? Because if you can increase your earnings per hour, you're going to make a lot more money, which will also allow you to invest more in the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, it, it comes down to them not believing in themselves and they don't believe that if they spend mm. money on themselves, that it's going to get a return because they're not confident within themselves. That's it. If they knew for sure Crazy. they could go out and have their best week, they'd spend all that money every day. Problem is, is yeah. when, you, when you go buy an iPhone, you give them a thousand bucks, you get the phone. Yep. You give me a thousand bucks. I give you information to go buy a car. You don't see the car. So that there's a disconnect there. And so that's, yeah. that's the issue is people, if they don't, if they don't spend money on their education, that means they don't believe in themselves. And so, and that's yeah. why you need to go to a psychiatrist or talk to a therapist <laughs> because you're dealing with some stuff that's under the hood. That yeah. there's either some childhood trauma or there's. I'm laughing, but this is this is accurate. This is serious. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, yeah. it's it's literally there's some stuff that's happened to you in the past where you either have some issues with your mother or father, and uh, it's very very important to um, have a conversation with a licensed therapist or a coach to work through that. I don't do that type of training. I know how to, but it's just a lot of work. And yeah, yeah. Uh, breakthrough. Yeah, and so that's why it's like if you don't think that buying like a sales training program is a good, like is, is something you could do. That's when you need to go talk to a therapist and work through it. Cause a lot of times people, uh, buy, get into sales because they're trying to mask an insecurity they have. And so it's like, mm. Hey, these guys picked on me in high school. They said I wasn't good enough. So I'm going to go out and prove to them. I am. Prove it. That's yeah. Awesome. Dude, that, that was, that was me. That yeah, was me for the first several years. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, I got into it the wrong reasons. And that's why sales is such a high turnover because you get into it for the wrong reasons. You get toxic yep. masculinity going on. And then essentially yep. you hide behind a, a wall your whole career yes. instead of like, Hey, why am I so aggressive? Why do I not have confidence? Well, it's because yep. when I was younger, people used to pick on me and, oh, Pessy, his last name is Pussy. So he's afraid, you know, stupid shit like that. So once yeah. I started getting help from a coach, I started coming from a place of uh, not 
toxicity, but more from a place of abundance. And that's when I started seeing my leadership take off because the skills it takes you to be good. Yeah. The, the skills it takes you to be a good sales rep is awesome. Like, but the thing is, once you step into leadership, you have to actually start focusing on that. And so yeah. being able to develop into a better person is tough because you can't just buy cars to make yourself feel good. You have yeah. to look under your own hood so that when you mm. go out into the world, you don't feel like you need to have external things to make you feel happy on the inside. And so that's yep. what that's what sales appeals to people is because, hey, look, you can solve your problems by making all this money, buy all this stuff and people will respect you. But then once you get it, it's like, oh, shit, that was yeah, uh, a hook. And now, yep. but the good thing is, is I'm glad that I went through that because although that was toxicity, I learned a hell of a skill set that now if I yep. use that skill set help in a more healthy way, you can have a healthier lifestyle. And that's when I've made the switch after my sixth or seventh year, that's when things started taking off for me. I love that, Danny. That's huge, man. Uh, I noticed, I, so I bought a brand new Audi R8 after my big summer in pest control. I sold 900 as a rookie, serviced 700 of them, and made a third of a million, and uh, got to my head, bought a nice car. And uh, that was, it's, you're hitting it nail on the head, right? It was to fill a void of insecurity. And then once I had it, after a few months passed by, I'm like, what the hell am I doing with this? This is stupid. It's a depreciating asset. I know it, and more than the depreciating asset and the waste of money, it was a problem with my pride, right? Because it, I feel like you cap yourself. You care too much about what people think. You can't think about what actually matters in creating value and improving yourself, right? And so just like you, dude, I went through that myself and uh, very, I, I'm proud, but you know, it's something I regret, but also don't regret because I, I learned a lot from that experience. Yeah. And I mean, as long as it comes from a healthy place, sometimes, dude, you got to go out and just grind and buy shit to know that that's not what you want. It's like, yep. you know, people always like, what do you want in life? Well, it's not always you got to work for what you want. You got to go try stuff and learn what you don't like. And then eventually you start, okay, I don't like this. I like this process of elimination and you get to where you want. Like for me, um, you know, I always wanted to be an entertainer. Like I'm, I was bred to be a comedian. Like this sales mm, shit, yeah, I just you, learned I so like that I could get people. So, like I said, when I made it, it'll be two things I'm doing is I'm doing improv comedy again and I'm playing basketball. Those two things bring Let's me the go. most happiness. And Let's so, go. you know, that's what I'm working hard for. But the problem is, is people, you know, want to go enjoy their life without putting in accomplishing much. And I know that I can accomplish a lot with my life and have a, you know, multiple seven figure income and a multiple seven figure net worth. And then once I get there, life becomes easier because essentially you can have more fun and do other things because you have that net worth built out. And so for me, I have a target I want to hit so that I can go and have a little bit more fun. And in the mean interim, I do have some finish lines that I want to hit so I can have fun. Like just recently, I worked my ass off to go to Columbia for my birthday. And then now I'm back and I'm going to grind my ass off for another six weeks. And then I'm going to go to Africa for a month. And so that's where it. my next house I'm building for kids is Africa. Mm, I love that. Do we got to talk more about that? Love that, Danny. Love that. Uh, dude, Dang. it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, we ripped, we ripped, uh, we ripped a lot. Um, is we my did, audio huh? coming in okay? Yeah, it's coming in good. Yeah. Okay, because, yeah, mine's, mine's a little choppy. But, uh, yeah, dude, I appreciate you freaking having me on. I've got to uh, 
you know, a lot of respect for this community. Um, it's like a school that you went to and you graduate and I see all these kids now. And before I always wanted to be the best one and like be better than all mm -hmm. of them. But I've gotten to a point in my life where it's like, I want to see them thrive, graduate and become super successful. Cause I've had my time in the spotlight and I enjoy it, but it's like, I get more enjoyment seeing students of mine going through accomplishing winning at high levels and uh, making names for themselves. Cause dude, at the end of the day, it's all, you get tired of just saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it's like, look yeah. at we, and that's what I found is super, mm -hmm. super powerful as I've gotten older and more mature. And so that's great advice. I love that, Danny. Yep. Love that, dude. Thanks. Thank you so much, dude. It's been money picking your brain. It's been great to have you on the show. Excited to connect again and uh, see the stuff you keep building. Best of luck yes, to you, brother. Sounds good, my man. Well, thank uh, you where guys. They, tell, tell the people where they can find you. A lot of people already know where to find Danny Pessy, but tell them uh, your Instagram handle. Instagram is at Danny Pessy. And then on YouTube, at Danny Pessy. I'm going to start making a push on YouTube more. Uh, a lot of people watch it. I've never watched YouTube. I'm getting into it more. It's pretty cool. Um, it's un, uh, it's like, you know, they get the stuff Netflix makes you watch like YouTube. You can literally watch anybody's stuff and I'm becoming more entertained by that and, uh, more interested in that platform. So yeah, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and yeah, mostly Instagram is where I do most of my stuff. I love it. I love it. Well, the beauty of YouTube I'm learning too is, uh, you, you record on there and then you can splice up a bunch of short form. So it kills two birds, one stone that and podcasting. So love it, dude. Yep. Excited for you, Danny. Thank you again, dude. Thanks for coming on guys. If you don't follow Danny, go give him a follow. Yeah. You're even if you're not in solar sales, if you're just an entrepreneur, if you are in any sales, give this guy a follow, check him out. I promise he'll, he'll bless you.